Do you have any banter? Your dash cam just shipped. <gasps> Should be here Tuesday. Yeah. Happy early birthday. Thank you. <laughs> um, I am now going to be posting any idiot drivers on our Instagram page. <laughs> just, just in the um, criminals upper bit. Yeah, in my story. Story. That's it. I never use it, so I don't know what it's called. <laughs> I'll totally do it. That's that's a good place for it, though. It's just a rather than permanent. Yeah, but I'll save it as idiot drivers mm-hmm. in our story mm-hmm. highlights. Mm-hmm. <laughs> just I'm so doing that exactly it. how crazy it is to be in the car with you. Watch as soon as I get it, nothing will ever happen to right? me again. Hey, but that's okay. That's fine by me. <laughs> I know it won't happen. Okay. Ready? Yeah. Who's first? You. Okay. So, my story today is about Seaview Terrace. Uh, my sources are Wikipedia, SeaViewTerrace.org, Only in Your State, Haunted Rooms. I didn't even notice that was making noise. Um, and New England Ghoststories.com. Oh, and there's one more. The Newport Buzz.com. Okay. So it's also known as Carey Mansion, and it is a French Renaissance Revival chateau-esque summer cottage that was completed in 1925. It was the last great summer cottage ever built in Newport, as in Newport, Rhode Island, mm-hmm. um, and is the fifth largest mansion in the city. So the mansion itself has an interesting history. Not, like, crazy things that happened, like, the physical building <laughs> with without having anything to do with, like, events of people. So, Newport was a very fashionable location for the wealthy to build their summer, summer cottages from 1850 to, like, the 1920s. So, it's, like, truly on the tail end of that, like, fad location mm-hmm. that it was built there. But the actual building was originally built in 1907 by... Edison Brad no Edson Edson Bradley whose wealth came from the whiskey industry um he built a mansion that took up half a block in Washington DC it had a chapel and could seat one that could seat 125 people a ballroom an art gallery a 500 seat theater and was 90 feet by 120 feet and several stories tall they didn't tell me how many I assume that just means it varied so they didn't bother to specify yeah. Um, and it was known as Aladdin's Palace. Like, it was just a, it was a grand spectacle of a mansion. So it was, it was built in Washington, D.C. In 1923, Bradley disassembled the mansion and relocated it to Newport, Rhode Island. Mm. Um, that, which is quite the feat <laughs> to move a whole mansion. Yeah. So there was a 1885 Elizabethan revival already standing on the location in Newport. It's called it was called Seaview, which is where the the building gets its name from. Um, and that existing structure was incorporated into the mansion. So I think they just sort of, from what I understand, took the rooms from the original mansion, sort of just like arranged them in a way that best incorporated this other house as well. Yeah. Like, I don't think it was just, like, a, a weird back add-on. Like, the, <laughs> they made it one cohesive piece, from mm-hmm. what I understand. 
So when the mansion was first built in Washington, D.C., some of the rooms had been transported intact from France. So some Mm. of these rooms have now been moved intact twice. (laughs) Yeah. Once over the ocean from France to Washington, D.C., and then one more time up the railroad line to uh, Rhode Island. (laughs) Yeah. Um, and so, like, those existing rooms, the, especially the French ones, where they sort of just seem to put them in place and then build everything else to work around it. So it's not like they took – it's not an identical structure to the Washington, D.C. mansion, but it is all of the grand rooms from the Washington, yeah. D.C. mansion. So there are 17 rooms on the first floor, 25 on the second, and 12 on the third, and it was around 40,000 square feet. And it cost – Two million to build. And I don't know if that's the initial price or the movement price. Couldn't tell you. I think I read that number right. I didn't put any commas in and that was my mistake. (laughs) So in 1929, Bradley's wife Julia died and her funeral was held in the mansion chapel. Um, Bradley summered there for five more years until his death in 1935. After which their daughter Julie Shipman lived there as a widow and oh who had been living there as a widow since 1930 and stayed there until 1941 she left the mansion because she could not pay the property taxes and hadn't done so for three years (laughs) same Um, mm -hmm. (laughs) so i believe it was surrendered to the city or the state or something like that and then during world war ii the mansion was used as a u.s army officers quarters and then after the war in 1949, the property was sold for only $8,000. What um, is Well, I'll take it. <laughs> the property taxes are probably more than that. Uh-huh. <laughs> but if I can get one for that price, that's, I'll pay the high property tax. Yeah. It'll be the same as paying a mortgage. <laughs> so in 1950, it became an all-girls summer boarding school. So they were just there in the summer called Burnham by the Sea. Oh. And so the girls from... Burnham by the Sea? Burnham. Well, because there's a school called Burnham in Massachusetts. I'm hearing Burnham. Ham. Burn the ham. Burnham by the Burn Sea. Burn the ham. Burn the ham I would by go the there. Sea. Anyway, so the school, the girls from the Burnham school in Massachusetts would go and board there over the summer. And then during the regular school years, it was the... Newport School for Girls. So the local girls went there during the school year, and then it was a fancy boarding school over the summer. Yeah. And fancy girls came in. In 1974, Millicent and Martin Carey bought the mansion, um, but seemed to immediately struggle with the upkeep cost because, like, it's a a big old building and it's probably not been entirely maintained. And then had a whole bunch of little girls running around it. They don't help. Yeah. <laughs> um, they leased out the main house and gatehouse to Salve, maybe Salve, Regina University. And the staples became dorms. I assume they, like, maybe they didn't live there. I don't know. Either way, they rented out to the university and people sleep in stables. Mm-hmm. <laughs> On the hay. <laughs> no, they converted it properly, but it's funnier if they're just literally in the stalls. 
And you clean up after yourself when you go in the corner. <laughs> in 2009, the lease was ended. Um, like, like the university ended the lease. They're like, yeah, we, know yeah. we don't need this building anymore. And now the Carrie's daughter, who's an architect, um, her name is Denise. She lives there. So it's just a private property where one, one woman lives. So some notable features of the mansion include a whisper gallery, some amazing stained glass windows, a no longer functional pipe organ. Um, <laughs> Why is it there? <laughs> well, because it's pretty. I guess. But pipe organs are like magnificent mm-hmm. things to look at, even if they don't work. You know, and take up space in that big house. Mm-hmm, exactly. What else are you going to put in there? Yeah. <laughs> um, the property was never fenced. They didn't like that idea. Instead, they used a like they built a hedge around it. But it's not a very big hedge if you look at photos, and it's just really not good at peeping people out. Yeah, <laughs> never has been. You could have you could have combined it. You could have put a fence on the outside of the hedge, so you just see the hedge, but everyone else has to interact with the fence if they want to break in. But you know, not my property. Um, <laughs> it was used as the exterior for the TV show Dark Shadows. Mm-hmm. And really? has mm-hmm, not the movie, not the Johnny Depp movie, mm-hmm. but the like sixties or seventies soap opera esque The Empire show. And has been featured in, on Ghost Nation and Ghost Hunters. Dun, dun, dun. Slam. Haunted house. <laughs> it's us. We're here. <laughs> okay, so now we're on to the paranormal. So, um, it's said that before you even enter the mansion, you have the opportunity to experience paranormal things, because when you approach the front door, you can hear disembodied voices and random banging. You can hear that a lot in any I was like, I was like, that seems like a normal thing to hear through a front door, is talking, and especially and not knowing who the talking is coming from, just hearing talking. Yeah. And banging, you know? <laughs> They're all very human noises. Um... Like when we scared Phil because we were on the roof and he didn't know it. Mm-hmm. He couldn't figure out where the <laughs> where we were. We're like, well, but the owner was supposed to be on vacation. It's like, and you didn't think maybe some other kids already broke in before you and that's what's scaring you because they're inside doing things. Like, I don't know what to tell or you. Or she has someone looking after the yeah, house. Yeah, there's so many options as to why there might be noises. Or there's a neighbor, like I said. Mm-hmm. Well, I guess I don't know where this is if there's actually neighbors. They're like in, in town. This isn't like a rural, yeah. rural castle. So the pr- there's a primary ghost in the house. It is the ghost of Mrs. Bradley, you know, the one who died and they had the funeral in the chapel. Mm-hmm. Um, and she's seen strolling around the house. And she's also often seen playing the organ, which, remember, it doesn't work. Mm-hmm. Can you hear it? <laughs> at least for... Well, at first I was like, does that mean they just, like, see her pressing the buttons? But then a different thing was like, no, you hear the organ. She plays the organ the organ that does not work for living human beings because it's like missing like the control box it's like missing a a vital component (laughs) it could also mean you're just hearing like residual organ energy sounds you know from when she used to play it where am i oh out of the corner of your eye you'll see spirits drifting through walls but you'll never see that happen like full-on which is weird. It's a weirdly specific phenomenon that I have not heard of before. 
No, I don't like that because you never get to like. I'd rather you don't see get it full on see someone and then just be absolutely perplexed by the fact that I just saw it happen. Then like, but maybe I didn't see it, and then your mind's just like going insane trying to figure out whether or not it was true. Um, you could also hear phantom footsteps, unexplained bag- banging, and what popular thing at this place, like the grocery store lane. <laughs> <laughs> Do not You're put just- the eggs at the bottom. <laughs> Sweet Life of Zack and Cody episode. Oh, it's in then, that area. It might be them. It's true. That's what it is. Um, no, and one of the, like, favorite things that's supposed to happen there is jiggling door handles. Apparently is like, recorded Ew. a lot as being, like, a ghostly activity. That's, like, um, the, one of the scariest things. If it's a ghost or, like, a human mm-hmm. and you just like see it moving. Door handles, yeah. Ugh. Um, there's also cold spots that can be felt, and they're felt the most often in the ballroom. I like it when phenomena has certain spots only. Mm -hmm. It makes me feel better about it. Um, There's another unknown apparition. Nobody knows who it is, but they sometimes see it. And people have also witnessed dark shadows wandering around the mansion. Funny. That's why it's with the TV show. Dark (laughs) shadows. So, during the Ghost Hunters investigation, I didn't watch it. I read a synopsis. I cannot watch Ghost Hunters. I hate that show. Um, it's not nearly as entertaining as Ghost Adventures. Well, see, my problem is I don't like taking notes off of videos. Yeah. That's why I don't watch them. I yeah. just I just noted the synopsis. Well, because then you're just like, this is what I remember happening, mm-hmm. and everybody's like, I don't follow. Um, so they experience some, like, impressively loud footsteps. Um, like, they, on the recording, they were yeah. definitely there, and it wasn't like, a, maybe that's something creaking. No, that was like a bang, 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 boots, I, according like, to the steps thing kind I of thing. Yeah. Um, they also heard a sigh and a whisper on a recording. Um, and then just, like, a voice that was just, like, chattering away. Just, like, Me talking. Just, like, they didn't know what it's saying, but it was talking. Um, I don't like that whispers are connected to the house. Not because it creeps me out, but, like, there are whisper chambers in the home. And it yeah, very well scary. could be they didn't realize they were standing in one of those locations. Mm-hmm. And are just tricking themselves into hearing whispers and sighs. Yeah. Um, again, I didn't watch it, though, because maybe they were in, like, the bathroom where there definitely wasn't a whisper chamber, but, like, I don't know. So, they got knock responses when they were asked. They got movement on thermal cameras and a camera that spontaneously fell over. Um, and while it fell over, there were a whole bunch of, like, crazy noises that happened all over the mansion all at once. Which is gross. Interesting. Like a freaking poltergeist. Interesting. (laughs) Um, they also have reported hand touches and a cold spot. Hand, just hand touches. Yeah. Like, I don't know if that means somebody touched their hands or if they felt hands touched them. They didn't clarify. Or is someone holding your hand? <laughs> <laughs> um, they also felt a cold spot on the organ bench. No, 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 no. And they heard the muffled voice of what they said was a young girl demons um (laughs) it's never a child never ever the cold spot on the bench reminds me of a linenwood episode where she looked over when she looked over you're like no (laughs) i don't like that no but anyway reading that synopsis it really gave me the same vibe of you know know, like on ghosts Mm -hmm. the the comedy tv show Mm -hmm. 
when the investigators are there and there's just sort of like all sorts of chaos happening everywhere the whole entire time. Yeah. That's what it made me think of. Yeah. How how it was described. Not necessarily how I said it, but when I was reading it, that's how it was written. Yeah. <laughs> just like too much chaos and they were overwhelmed. <laughs> I love that show so much. And that's Sea View Terrace. Um unfortunately I feel like the there might possibly be better ghost stories there, but it's never been like an open property to for lots go. of people to go in and out of and have experiences at. <clears throat> it's a cool... It seems like a really cool building, though. It has a crazy construction story. Yeah, it does. It's even... It's What's more interesting is that didn't seem to, like, trigger anything. Yeah. this is. It's like, since going to Newport, ghosts have appeared, but not because it went to Newport. <laughs> yeah. Very interesting. Yeah. Okay, so... My story is about Adam Emery. I've never heard of him. It's a man. I said that. I know. But you said I'd never heard of him, so. You said it was a man. Yeah. Oh. What did I say wrong? You just go, I never heard of him. And I said, well, it's a man. Okay. I see. I understand that. I thought I said, like, her. No, I know you said Adam. I've never heard of her. (laughs) Adamina. Um, so I got my sources from Wikipedia, SavageWatch.com, TurnTo10.com, and Medium.com. Love Medium. All right. Um, let's get into it. So, on the evening of August 31st, 1990, Adam Emery's 1985 Ford Thunderbird was sideswiped by a passing vehicle while he and his wife, Elena, were getting into their car after having dinner at Rocky Point Restaurant with another couple. So he was really pissed off and he chased down the car that, um, he chased down a car which Elena had pointed out and it was a Ford LTD and she said that was the car that hit them. Mm-hmm. Um, so the Ford LTD was being driven by 22-year-old Jason Bass, and he had two other passengers in the car with him. So Adam caught up to Jason and yelled that he had damaged his car and insisted that Jason pull over. Um, Jason had no clue what Adam was yelling about and felt threatened by the driver's demeanor, so he kept driving, which any normal person would do. You'll be able to see the damage on that car, too, to make sure it is the one that well, hit you? Well, if he pulled up on the left side and is trying to get the driver's attention, I don't know what side of the car he pulled up on, you know? I don't know. Did they say which side he got swiped on? Well, I'm assuming you would have gotten... I have no idea. You it doesn't say which side. I, you could either sideswipe way, either. It would be know. very easy to see whether or not that car had recently sideswiped But, I mean, somebody. it's like, I'm thinking if they're parked on a street, they probably got sideswiped on the left side mm-hmm. of their car. So then he'd have damage on his mm-hmm. right side, but I don't know what side he pulled up on. No clue. So, so Adam sped up and cut Jason off, which forced his car to stop in the road, and Adam started to get out of the car to confront the other driver when his wife, Elena, handed him a military knife. What? <laughs> um, so Jason and his passengers were confused, so he tried to reverse to get away from their car because he's like, what's up with these This just seems people? like a crazy murder situation because they so don't know they did a crime. Adam didn't. jumped onto the hood of the car to stop the car from leaving, and then he moved over to the driver's window and stabbed Jason. What? <laughs> when the passengers got out of the car and looked around, they realized that Jason had not sideswiped Adam. Wow. Imagine that. Oh, they would be so, so easy to check. 
Anyway, okay. So, Lieutenant Kevin Hopkins was the first um, authority cop on the scene um, because he lived right down the street. Mm -hmm. And he said that he had heard the sound of a car crash. And so, he told his wife to call 911 while he got into his squad car. um, And he headed to the scene. He said, I drove up the street to help the people involved in the accident. And that's when I just happened to come upon the murder of Jason Bass. Um, he says, when I got to the scene, I saw Jason Bass's car up on top of the lawn of this particular home, which I assumed he had, like, reversed into trying to get away. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's when he jumped on the hood. And he says, he, I got out of my cruiser and I said, has anyone been hurt? And a woman says to me, he's been stabbed. He's been stabbed. Um, Hopkins found Jason on the ground suffering from a stab wound. Adam was nearby drinking a glass of water. And he says, get a glass of water? I don't know. <laughs> I'm assuming this random woman, but I wouldn't give someone I just watched stab a guy a glass of water. Yeah, no, you anyway. come outside, someone's just been stabbed, do you need anything? Can yeah. A glass of water? <laughs> I don't know where he got this from. Um, but then Hopkins says, um, Adam said to him, I did it. Like he's proud? I don't know. <laughs> Um, it's just so, this is such, like, a weird story. So, Hopkins said authorities arrived and arrested Adam. Sergeant Fred Pierce was there, and he was the arresting officer. He said, I actually knew who he was because we were in the National Guard together. Um, let's see here. He said, the call came in as a traffic accident, so when we got there, we found out it was much more. I saw Adam sitting on the front steps of a house, and he had blood on his clothing, so it was clear that he was involved. Hopkins said that Adam thought Jason was the culprit who had sideswiped his car, so he tracked him down, and he said Jason put his car into reverse, and so Adam assumed he was being attacked, so he stabbed Jason right in the heart. No. No. Um, so Adam was released on bail after spending eight months in jail while his lawyer negotiated putting up money and, um, property as bail. Um, Adam was also offered a plea deal in exchange for lesser charges of voluntary manslaughter and a prison term of five to seven years. Why would but that be voluntary manslaughter? But he refused to accept the deal, insisting that the killing was in self-defense. No, it wasn't. I hate this man so much. No, it wasn't. And I also think his wife should have been charged. Oh, yeah. As no, she is. She, it should have been murder, not first manslaughter. Of all, she points out a random car mm-hmm. and then they chase him down mm-hmm. and she and hands, she him, hands a knife, him the knife, suggesting you should go do violent things to the people in that car. And this poor 22 year old who's just driving down the street with his friends is literally <laughs> just trying to, you know, go have a good life. And this man just comes and kills him because he was reversing to get away from him. From a man who I'm, was running at him with a knife? <laughs> from a man who chased him down in the road and yeah, was yelling at him and driving like a psycho and cut him off. So from what I'm hearing is that Adam was parked in front of Jason. How is him reversing away from you? Him being a threat to your All life. I'm saying is what we've learned right now is that Jason did the wrong thing. He clearly showed. I was gonna say if I was Jason, I would on the have, gas. <laughs> if I know if I was Jason, I would have reversed and then thrown it no, into. You and know I exactly that's what I'm saying. Straight, go straight. Um, hit the car. So hit just him. in case anyone's listening, if you ever try and come at me and chase me down in traffic, I will run you over with my car if you get out of your car. <laughs> Especially if you're coming at me with a weapon. Like this is so like it's such a sad story for mm-hmm. Jason. Yeah, it's so ridiculous. Like, what was going through this guy's mind that he was just like, you sideswipe my 
trashy ford so i'm going to i'm gonna kill stab you. you in the heart <laughs> not anywhere else stabbing in the heart means well, i do want you to national die national guard yeah he's in the national guard so he knows mm-hmm. where you can and can't stab people and mm-hmm. he literally just went to kill him mm-hmm. so not to mention stabbing him was unnecessary mm-hmm. he hit your car and didn't hurt you if you're gonna do anything like pop a tire drag the or knife just, down the like, side the and ruin the paint and say what happened like if you're going to have, if you have to be violent in the moment, yeah. not that you ever have to be, but if you have to be, so it was property damage, not life damage. So crazy. So, um, analysis conducted using paint chips from both vehicles did determine that someone else had hit Adam Goodness and it wasn't Jason. And they're never going to admit who they are because they might also get stabbed. <laughs> <laughs> That's so beyond. Okay. So. On November 10th, 1993, Adam was convicted of second-degree murder and was to wait formal sentencing. Um, He never showed any sign of emotion for killing Jason at any point. Like, this man is... Well, the fact that he he might have killed more people in his lifetime. Mm -hmm. And I think the wife probably did, too, because these two seem like a dangerous couple. (laughs) Um, Because if Drew was, like, chasing someone down in traffic, I'd be like, okay, get out of the front seat, I'm driving. Like, something (laughs) is psychopath. Instead, she's like, they did it. Let's go kill them. Like, like she wanted, she wanted okay? a fight. Like, um, I would have just been like, okay, let's remember their license plate. Exactly. I was like, I, if, if I followed them at all, it would be to get their license uh, plate number. Anyway, so he was facing up to 25 years in prison for the murder, but hadn't been formally sentenced. So he was released on bail again, and he and Elena left the courthouse at 3 p.m. Um, they disappeared hours later. No way. Um, mm-hmm. they both had, um, mailed suicide notes, which their family members had got, like, I guess, like, a week or so later. I don't know mm-hmm. how fast mail goes, but they had gotten after this had happened. And their car was found abandoned on the Claiborne Pell Newport Bridge, still running with the lights on. Mm-hmm. Um, in the back seat, there were piles of neatly folded clothes that looked like it belonged to, like... Like, one sack, stack of clothes was the guy and one was the mm-hmm. girl. Um, and then on the front seat was cash, cut-up credit cards, and Adam's driver's license. So, wondering if the couple had jumped, like, off the bridge, an extensive search was conducted, but nothing was located to suggest they went into the water. Um, but to me, it's like, if you're going to kill yourself, why are you cutting up your credit cards? Because they're making it look like they killed themselves. Because they're yeah, like, no, 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 no we, we, we jumped. Look, here's all of our money and all of our like, possessions. if you're jumping to kill yourself, are you jumping in naked? Why are your clothes full on the back seat? Because <laughs> they're trying to prove they didn't take things with them. It's Because they're, really... not, they're not on the run. Yeah, so. If I came up to that scene, like, yeah, no, they didn't jump. They I'd definitely like, they ran. ran. <laughs> so prior to their disappearance, the couple was last seen at a Burger King. And they were also seen purchasing wearable exercise weights at the Kelly's Sporting Goods store in Cranston, Rhode Island. Yeah, that's something I definitely need while I'm on the run. Well, I was thinking, I was like, what would you use that for? And then I was like, are they trying to, like, say they bought that so they could drown themselves? Or That could be to weigh them down. I don't know. Because if you can wear it, just strap um, them on. Yeah, but it's like, how much do those weigh? Five pounds at the most? I don't know. I don't like, know what, what human buoyancy is. <laughs> Um, so when police talked to the people who had interacted with the Emery's that last day, they found, um, stories that didn't seem to fit with a couple who was about to commit suicide. 
So the first thing that they thought was weird is that Adam argued over the price of the equipment that they were buying at the sporting goods store. And they were like, well, most people who have made a plan to kill themselves don't care about the price that they're getting on something that they're going to no. drown themselves with. Um, the second thing they thought was weird is people who saw them at the restaurant um, and on the bridge, because I guess they saw them like parked in their car or something, um, noticed that they were happy, smiling, and laughing. They, they think they're getting like, away. <laughs> yeah. It, they didn't seem like they were someone who was about to jump off a bridge and kill themselves. Because you normally aren't like, <laughs> time to die. <laughs> um, <laughs> so then, during the trial, they have courtroom footage. Um, and Adam had been talking with his wife regularly in the courtroom. Um, so the investigators brought in a hearing-impaired woman who could read lips to watch the courtroom videos. And she believed that Adam and a um, that Elena said to Adam, we're going to do what we originally said. You promised me. So, don't know what that, you know. I love that there's a detail that the woman is hearing impaired, and that's for, that is why, why she, she can, can read, read lips. Mm-hmm. And I was like, you also can just learn that's to like, read lips. But, you know, like, well, that's a good smart for her. Thing. That's that makes like a sense. smart thing to do. Well, <laughs> if you're a hearing impaired person, to be employed that way makes sense. <laughs> um, Let's see. Um, Okay, so in 1994, a fisherman found a human skull in his fishing net just north of the Pell Bridge, and it was later confirmed to be that of Elena Emery's. Huh. So they have not found the rest of her body, so they don't know um, what her cause of death is. So they cannot say if she was killed or, like, killed and dumped by Adam Mm -hmm. Or if she did follow with the plan or and kill when. herself. Um, yeah, or when. If it yeah. was after the fact, mm-hmm. something went through, she decided she didn't want to live on the run, he killed her through in the river, yeah. so if they did find her, it would look like they did both commit suicide. Yeah. So, to this day, Adam Emery's remains have never been found. Um, some believe that he died that day with his wife, and his body is at the bottom of Narragansett Bay. I don't know if I said that right. Um, however, there are still some that believe he may have killed his wife and made it look like he committed suicide with her, which is the route that I'm taking. Mm-hmm. Um, there have been rumors of numerous sightings of Emery in Connecticut in the month following his disappearance, but he wasn't, like, since he was never formally, like, actually charged with the mm-hmm. stuff, he wasn't yet considered to be, like, a fugitive. Yeah. Um. Well, but he definitely, like, is not following the bail rules. Yeah, so and he's- I, that's they can at least I they can definitely understand what that said. They can definitely write a warrant for him. I just don't think he can be like America's most wanted. Yeah, kind of uh, thing. Well, he's on it. Is he now? Yeah, that's amazing. Um, Adam was declared legally dead in two thousand and four, but the FBI has considered him a fugitive since around twenty seventeen. Good for the FBI. Um, they're like, yeah, mm, um, but like just so, in case. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> The day before his scheduled sentencing, the FBI received a tip that Emery may have fled to Florida. Um, the sightings after followed geographic patterns, um, starting in Florida and then later in France and Italy. So I guess that means, like, the easiest way he could get to these places. Like they were in the appropriate order. Yeah. Um, the FBI still receives tips about Adam's whereabouts on a regular basis. They said, quote, no matter how long it takes, the FBI will continue to work with 
um, with our law enforcement partners, it says out. It says without. And I was like... (laughs) Without the um, law enforcement partners, we're not including them. So, yeah. No matter how long it takes, the FBI will continue to work with our law enforcement partners in following every lead until we can locate fugitive Adam Emery or his remains and provide his victim's family with some much-needed closure. So Hopkins says he's not quite sure that Adam is dead. Um, That's the cop that was on the case earlier. In 2018, Pawtucket Police Department, Sue... I thought it was a person at first. Sue Pawtucket. Pawtucket Cormier spearheaded a program that features decks of playing cards to generate leads in cold cases. That's smart. Um, So each card depicts a photo and description of someone who is either a murder victim or a missing person. Um, whose case has gone unsolved. Um, Cormier received federal funding to have the deck, the decks of cards made and invited departments across Rhode Island to participate with the cards being sold to inmates through the commissary um, at the Rhode Island Department of Corrections. You can also buy them online. Mm-hmm. Um, Pierce said Emery is included in one of the decks. Um, I actually have, I've seen his card. So I thought you were going to say, I have it. No. Like, when did you get that? <laughs> no, I was really thinking about ordering when I saw that, and then I was like, it won't get here in time. <laughs> so the FBI believes that Adam is most likely in Italy because he has family there. Huh. The FBI has worked with Italian authorities regarding these sightings, but none have led to any conclusions. In 2019, the FBI said there was a significant change that Adam a significant chance that Adam would be tracked down within the next five years. Um, let me, I want to look up what he's actually like charged with. Cause they said it. What does he look like? What's his name? Adam. Emery. Emery. Let's see here. So he has wanted by the FBI for unlawful flight to avoid, um, prosecution and, I think that's the only thing he's actually wanted for. So that is the story of Adam Emery in Rhode Island. I don't think crazy. Yes, that's a it's a wild story. I saw that and I was like, this is it's a little story, but that's crazy. Yeah. (laughs) So if anybody knows where this guy is, um. Turn him into the FBI. Or turn him into me and I'll run him over with my car. Because <laughs> that's what he deserves. Um, yeah, but I don't know. That couple. No, I really... I, I think they're I both don't think very they psycho. jumped. And I... At least I don't think he jumped. <laughs> no. But the fact that like they were acting the ways they did that day, mm-hmm. and especially him arguing over the price, makes me think mm-hmm. he's definitely still alive. I don't know. Maybe he pushed her off. Maybe he killed her later. Maybe she died and then like had to dispose of the body anyway, because it could have been natural causes. Mm-hmm. But he like now can't bring the body in, because that then shows he's alive. Mm-hmm. Throw him in the river where they were supposed to be dead. Well, like, something that's weird is, like, another fisherman had apparently found, like, two male leg bones in that lake, too, but they weren't Adam's. Yeah, but like, so it's, it's like, how many bodies are in this a lake? A lot. People jump off. People get thrown off. It's like, how many cars are well, off of uh, the well, St. Charles? Well, most of the true crime that I looked up thing. in Rhode Island is mob-related. Mm-hmm. So those are all mob bodies, I can, I betcha. But yeah, so that's a crazy story. Yeah. 
and that couple had deep-seated issues. Alright, well, um, try not to murder anyone and don't mess with Ouija boards. Bye! Bye.